Welcome to the Operation Miss Podcast, where we provide moms with tools to survive pregnancy and thrive postpartum. From healthcare providers and organizations to Miss Moms and moms who survive near-death complications, each conversation will equip moms to have a safer motherhood journey, whether preparing for pregnancy, currently pregnant, or recovering postpartum. It is our sincere prayer that all women who listen will leave with a missed mentality, one where she asks questions unashamedly so she can have what she needs to make an informed decision, where she has more trust in her body's design than she does in medical intervention, and where she allows her data to guide her lifestyle so she shows up to motherhood in her best health. Now, let's listen to today's episode. Welcome to the Operation Miss Podcast, where we are tackling the maternal health crisis and helping more women, especially Black and Brown women, survive pregnancy and thrive postpartum. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jessica Thompson, and we have Catherine here. How are you, Catherine? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for asking. And I'm so excited about this. <laughs> Yay, Miss Pat. Oh, we fell in love with a couple months ago, and she graciously agreed to grace us with her presence so that we can talk to moms together. But just so you have a little background about how we met, Miss Pat actually was introduced to us by a woman who she helped a couple of years ago who was dealing with some postpartum depression and and issues, and um, she just felt like Miss Pat should be connected to us. And then Miss Pat reached out and we were supposed to be meeting. And I said, maybe we should meet at a library. And she goes, honey, I like to eat. You want to meet at a wing spot? Because I know of a good place. And so it was just wonderful. I knew she had me at wing spots. And so we sat down, we talked, and she talked with me about her journey to where she is now. And I hope that you'll start out with that, how you got here, because your decades of experience that you bring to the table in combating this maternal health crisis is completely flooring, and it needs to be acknowledged. So during that conversation, we really, really bonded. And then Jessica bonded with her and fell in love as well. And so that's how we're here. But Ms. Pat, I know that you will be able to introduce yourself (laughs) a lot better than I have, because really, the the main thing people need to know is that we're in love with you. And we're grateful (laughs) that you're here. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) So my name's Patricia Prime, just like they said. Uh, and actually, all of my clients call me Miss Pat. It's just a, a thing. And for some reason, I'll have a few kids, not most, um, that will say Pat Pat. I don't teach them. They wow. just they just get it themselves. And when when they do that, I know that those are my angels. And I only have a couple of them that will say Pat Pat. And it just... Um, shocks me when they say it because nobody teaches them that. But anyway, (laughs) so my name is Pat and um, I'm a registered nurse. Um, I've been a registered nurse for about 30 years. Um, I've done ICU, med surge, pediatrics. Um, I was a float pool nurse. I did a lot of, 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 um, you know, different areas of nursing. My husband was military. So we traveled um, a lot. I had three um, daughters. They're all grown now. The youngest is 21. I have a 25-year-old and a 26-year-old. Um, and my husband and I have been married for 28 years this year. I think I'm saying that right. <laughs> 27 years this year. Um, but anyway, um, my nursing journey has taken me um, through a lot of places. And it's so funny now because where I am, I, I, I can be sharing what I'm doing with friends that I met, you know, when we were in Korea or when we were in um, Virginia and they would say stuff like, well, you helped me with breastfeeding or you remember you helped me with, and I didn't, I, at that time I needed help with breastfeeding (laughs) because because my first baby, I, um, I tried to breastfeed her and um, we went two weeks and it was just 
the pain was just excruciating and I could not, I couldn't do it. And so um, when my second baby came along, we didn't even go there. It was like bottle because it, the pain from the first wow. baby was so intense. And when my third baby came, you know, she, um, she came out and then they put her, you know, they just laid her on my chest and she just attached, uh, latched herself, no help from anybody. And um, we act, she actually nursed for a little over 10 months. And so, um, so, so my journey with breastfeeding, you know, back then, when the people would say, you helped me with breastfeeding, I was like, how did I help you? And I needed help myself. (laughs) So, um, but anyway, um, at my church, I have at my church, um, ladies would get pregnant. Well, before we get to that part, in 2003, I started working with a home visiting program at Navison. Well, it used to be the medical center. Mm-hmm. Um, it was called the Nurse Family Partnership Program. So you had to be a registered nurse and we provided education and support to teenage, to first time teenage moms. And um, so that was my first introduction to this maternal world, working with families who were um, pregnant. And then, you know, our goal was to, to um help with self-efficacy, making sure that they stayed in school, making sure that they changed, um, you know, the way that they were doing things so that it would impact the way that they raised their children. Mm-hmm. So um, that started, that's the, that my 2003 was my first intro to maternal, like working with maternal families. And then from, from now, nat- well, well, before medical- you keep going, can you explain what the nurse home program is so that people know you were going into their homes afterwards? Yeah. Correct? Mm-hmm. So, um, again, it was at the medical center in Macon. And so we were providing um, home visit. We were providing education and support in the homes. Yeah. So um, um, I would meet a client and then like every two weeks I would have a home visit, you know, I have a visit in her home. So I, we would be, you know, teaching, teaching um, prenatal, not prenatal care, but we would be teaching newborn care. We would be talking to them about what to expect during the pregnancy, what's normal, what's not normal. And then also just getting into um, just their day-to-day, um, how to deal with, um, you know, getting in trouble at school or um, how to, you know, did you do your homework today and staying in school and um, helping them to, um, you know, just grow that confidence in themselves. Now I was green, like really, really (laughs) green. And, um, and I think that the children knew because, and they were children because they were all teenagers. You had to be a, you had to be a teenager to be in a program. And most of the kids that we had were uh, in high school. Um, we had a few middle schoolers, but we most of the kids were in high school. And at that time, Bibb County had a, I'm calling it an alternative school, but that's probably not the name, but they had a school that was specific to, to teenagers who had had a baby or were pregnant. So we were actually, that was one of the places that we spent a lot of time with was at that, at that school. And so, but, um, but anyway, I was so green. The things that I did in that program, I would not do today to save a life. Like I would not do it. Some of the things that, that we did. Um, I just truly believe God covered us. We went into neighborhoods and homes and areas um, that I would not do today. I just, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't do it for due to safety reasons. I wouldn't do it. But I still actually have contact with some of those girls. One of the girls, her son is 18 years old and she had, she now has a set of twin boys. They're three. And, um, and to see her now, and she's still with the same gentleman to see her and they're married to see her now being the best mom that she can be. And she still will say it's because of what you, what you taught me. Yeah. That's, that just speaks like it just lets me know that I'm doing what I know I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. Um, again, he's 18. Is he 21? No, he's 18. He's 18. Um, that's the and child were, that I'm sorry. I was going to say you were providing that support even after the baby is born. 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. So think, we stayed with them until the child was t- two. Wow. They would we we would get them in the program before they were twenty eight weeks gestation, and we would stay with them until the child was two. And some of this them, revolution, yeah. like this, was happening before people realized that. Well, the thing is, is that I wonder how many people even knew that was happening. Moms are supported up until six weeks. And then after that, and I mean, and when I say supported, that is very loosely, that's very loose. They at six weeks are checked back on after they have the baby, right? But between that and the six weeks, between delivering the six weeks, they don't get the kind of support that you're giving unless they hire someone to provide it, right? But here y'all are, have a whole program in place. And for two years, you're able to help guide a mom and help her know what she should be doing, how she can minimize her stress. Because can you imagine having a baby and then failing out of school or having a baby and not having the support that you need and and not having anybody to be able to call? You absolutely played a role in how amazing a mom she is, not just because you helped her heal physically, but you guided her in the decisions to make. Because as children, having children Mm -hmm. is so hard, right? (laughs) It's so hard. Mm Yeah, but keep going. I'm sorry, I don't want to stay on this one part of your journey, but it's such a huge part, you know? <laughs> so y'all know me and this technology stuff don't work. So I have a little button on my uh, table that just rose up and- um, <laughs> It's okay, <laughs> you went great. <laughs> <And> anyway, <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm learning so much. But anyway- Um, I worked that program for, you know, the time that I worked that program. And then I went to the base. I got a job on base, um, doing the new parent support program. So the new parent support program, the nurse family partnership program at the time was called the David O's home visiting program. That's just some history. When I go to the base to work the new parent support program, one of the first things that I saw in their um, uh, manual, when you know, you're supposed to read the manual to kind of find out about the program, the new, the new parent support program was modeled after the David O's home visiting program. So it was essentially the same program. So we saw families that were expecting or had children in the home under the age of three. So as long as there was a child in the home under the age of three, we could be in your home. You didn't necessarily have to be pregnant, you know, to get into the program. But if you had a two-year-old, you could be in the program. If you got pregnant while I was serving you with the two-year-old, then you could stay in the program until that baby turned three. So it was the same thing. We were provided education and support to these families. However, these families were, they were military families but these families were more at risk. So the nurse family partnership program was uh, more socioeconomic. Um, You only could qualify for that program if you were like, you know, um, Medicaid or had some type of government assistance. With the um, new parent support program, the criteria was you had to be active in the military or you had to be, um, you could be in the reserve, but you had to be on active orders at that time. So, uh, so we had them from all ranges, from the top of the ranks to, you know, to the lower ranks. Um, but the, the, focus, the focus group were uh, families who were at risk for maltreatment. So if families came in and there had been some suspicion of child maltreatment or even spouse maltreatment, if there was a child in the home under the age of three, then the nurses, we would go into that home and provide services for that family. Just depends on what the needs were. That's those were the services that we would provide. So I worked there for probably seven or eight years, and then I heard <laughs> that Houston County was getting the Nurse Family Partnership Program. It was coming to Houston County, and I wanted to go supervise that program. <laughs> so I quit my job before I got the job. Um, But I don't know. I just, I'm anyway, I quit my job and uh, was waiting for them to to post this job about this nurse family partnership program. It took a while, but I was still part time at Coliseum. That's a whole nother story. But I worked at Coliseum in behavioral health. I was an intake um, specialist. So I would um, 
interview clients who were coming in with some type of, of, of um, mental health crisis. And then we would make a determination what we were going to do. Are they going to be admitted? You know, are, are we just going to set them up with someone in the community? So I was working that job um, part-time. Um, finally got the interview. I went uh, and I was hired to supervise the nurse family partnership program at the health department. And it was a blank room, like a like like my walls are just blank. <laughs> and um, it was two nurses we hired. There was two nurses that they had already hired. Um, I interviewed and hired two more. From the ground up, you know, we set up this program, and I was just not a good supervisor. Um, I won't say that I wasn't a good supervisor, but I just supervising was just not me. Like it just it, that's just not me. And um, and so after I, I think I worked there for three years and I finally just resigned. I had another I had the opportunity to go back to the base for my to my old position. And I did. I resigned from being a supervisor and I went back to the job, went back on base. So I was on base for about another five or six years before I took this leap of faith. Um, Tell us about the leap of faith. Yeah, Tell us about the certification. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I I went back on base and 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 COVID happened, and I was really struggling because we you can't I couldn't get into the homes anymore. And we were talking to people on the telephone and I just felt like it was such a waste of time. And I, and I, and I hope that anybody who's listening to this, who, um, you know, are working with families or, or, or even if they work with me um, or working with the nurse family partnership, I mean, the new parent support program, I'm not saying that what you're doing is a waste of time. I'm saying for me, it felt like it was a waste of time because I was talking to people on the telephone and people can tell you whatever they want to tell you on the phone. But if you can't see them, you don't know really what they're going through. You don't know what they're struggling with. They can just be as happy as they want to be on the, on the telephone, but you know something else is going on. And so I really, really struggled with, do I stay here or do I not? Do I stay here or do I not? And, and um, in the, Around January, I was struggling, like, like spiritual struggling, mental struggling. Um, there was a lot of stuff going on at the job that, um, oh my God, it was just, it was horrible. And in February, there was we, I, a friend of mine. She, I was talking to her on the telephone. It was two two girls. We usually would pray at night, uh, just pray about whatever happened during the day, just whatever. We would just do some prayer. And um, one day I actually called one of them and I was explaining to her how I was feeling. And so she said, when she got off the telephone, she was like, something's wrong with my sissy. I can't, I can't let her stay like this. And so she called up six other women and they called me one night and just began to pray. And so we had some conversations about what was going on. And I was explaining to them how I was feeling internally. And so um, I remember the next morning going to work, my first lady called and she was like, I, I told God, I was just gonna call you. Okay, I'm calling you now. All you gotta do is just is make one small step. Just one little small step. She didn't tell me what it was. It was just, one little small step. And that small step was already in my hand because I had a pencil <laughs> and I was debating on if I'm fixing to write this letter of resignation. And when she said, take one small step, I said, okay, I'm going to do it. And I submitted my letter of resignation. I gave them 30 days, told them I would stay for another 30 days. And in that time, um, so much happened. And one of the biggest things that happened was that we had a military spouse commit suicide and her baby was 10 days um, postpartum. She was 10 days postpartum. And she was oh, not a, a patient of ours, but, uh, but anytime a baby is involved, we get a notification because we are a family advocacy and, um, and we deal with that, you know, suicidal ideation. Well, family advocacy is in there and mental health is in this clinic. And so um, 
um, it was like, I made that decision to do this. And then I just started hearing things. I just started seeing things that, that was confirming that I was headed in the direction that I was supposed to be going in. Yeah. And, um, and so I did. So I, I remember doing a video and um, posting it on Facebook. And then it was like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm supposed to do next, you know? And then I was writing down, writing down my visions and my goals. And, and then I'm sitting at home and Edwin's heat. Well, yeah, Edwin was home too, because for, he's a contractor. So they, soon as COVID happened, they just sent them all home. But, um, but nothing was happening. You know, I wasn't getting any patients and I didn't know how to get those patients. Um, and I had ideas and, and thoughts about what I should do it. And I would try to do it. And then it would just, it wouldn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, but I just kept, you know, kept pushing and I'm still pushing nothing. is like, I'm not, I don't have patients knocking down my door. I really don't. Um, but back to the certification, I'm sorry, I skipped that part, but, um, at my church, people would get pregnant and, and then I would be all in their business. Like, you know, which need and (laughs) how far along are you? And, um, and then when they would deliver, I would just call and say, um, so I'm at Chick-fil-A, what do you want? Which salad do you want? Like I wasn't given options. <laughs> like I wasn't saying, I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A. You want me to bring you something? I, it wasn't like that. It was like, I'm at Chick-fil-A, which salad do you like? Because mm-hmm. I'm bringing you one. And, um, and, and that's how I, that's how like what I was, what I did was starting to resonate with some people. And then um, I remember uh, a girl got pregnant at, um, at our church and everybody in the church was like, call Miss Pat because that's who you need to call. You need to call Miss mm-hmm. Pat. And she called me and was saying, you know, me and my, her name is Cassandra. And um, she said, me and um, my husband are expecting and we have no idea what to do with a baby. Like, but they told me, Ashley told me to call you. Do you teach classes or something? Can I hire you? And I'm thinking, what is she talking about hiring me? This was before I left my job. I said, what is she talking about hiring me? And um, so I went on Google and like taking care of mom after baby's born, taking postpartum care, just typing in words and up pops Kappa. And Kappa is it's childbirth and postpartum professional association. I hope I said that right, Kappa. <laughs> but um, they popped up. I went into their website and there was a certification called postpartum doula. And that's how I became a certified postpartum doula. And wow. um, and then the rest is kind of like history. I, breastfeeding has always been something that's really close to me. And um, um, and I would be fascinated with the girl. I used to work with a girl in the community, Jennifer, um, and she was a lactation consultant. And it was almost like IBCLC was like a, not a cult, but it was like a, I don't want, it was like, it's like a club, like nobody can get in. Like you got to be the bomb to get into this club. And, and, I, and you're and so, the bomb. And you're well, in the and club. I would just, and I was just, I would always just be calling Jennifer, Jennifer, can you help me with so and so? And she'd be like, Pat, that's what I would have said. I would have said the same thing. But um, but anyway, I started doing my training, and you have to have so many hours. You have to have like over 1,500 hours of, of um, um, hands on experience. You have to, you know, if you are in the health field, um, they'll take your degree, but then you have to have 95, um, CEUs, you know, continuing education that's specific to lactation. Like you can't just go take the test because I work with, you know, mamas and I'm a nurse. You got to go do all this other stuff. And then to get that training, it's so expensive. I couldn't afford it. But when COVID happened, they started offering stuff and units and, you know, you can take a class here and you can take a class there. And before you knew it, I was finished. I took the um, exam last year in September and in December, I got my, you know, my results and I am now um, 
you know, an African-American lactation, uh, international board certified lactation consultant. And, you know, we only, we only are about, well, it's less than 15% of us, I believe. Wow. Um, uh, African-Americans that hold that, that hold that um, certification. So that's a really big deal for me. And I'm really excited um, about that. So that's what I do now in my business of prime baby time consultant. I, I offer lactation um, consultations and uh, I am also a postpartum doula and okay. yeah, so. So with this, um, so basically Miss <laughs> Pat is saying that she is qualified, okay? So, <laughs> no story, yeah. short, you know, many years of- See how you just, yeah, you just short, she qualified. <laughs> <laughs> Period. So many years of nursing and now, and you know, and then nursing kind of led you in just your path as a mom too, led you into this special population of working with moms. And now you're more qualified and certified as a postpartum doula and a lactation consultant. But let's talk about postpartum doulas. Because mm -hmm. let's talk about what a doula is. And then can you tell our listeners what's the difference between like a labor doula, which is, I think, um, talked about more so than a postpartum doula? Okay. So um, a doula is a support person. I mean, the short, the short of it, a doula is a support person. What they do is they try to create an environment of relaxation, you know, uh, a positive environment. We're trying to we're trying to build mom's confidence that she would trust her body to do what it was designed to do to deliver this baby with no medication, um, none of the stressors um, that are that can be associated with that. We're really just trying to. They are really just trying to create an environment for her body to do what it was designed to do. So a doula, a labor doula would support that mom during labor. A postpartum doula supports that mom after the baby is born, not in the hospital, but when they get home. So my slogan is I'm the bridge between the hospital and the home. And I think that I just, I'm so, I'm so passionate about this because that's the phase that I believe we have forgotten about. And moms, moms spend, I think that it is now starting to be ingrained in them that when you get home, the more you do proves that you are the mom. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, you, you just had a baby, but you got some toddlers, you have a toddler at home and if you can manage them both, you're the mom. But nobody, I don't, I'm not saying that nobody is doing it, but I feel like we need to, to, to retrain them. And yes, she has a toddler at home, but can somebody care for that toddler and her while she only focuses on herself and the baby? So what my job would be is to alleviate any other stressors in the home. And all she has to do is concentrate on healing and taking care of her baby. So if that includes me doing some light housekeeping, I'm not a, um, uh, you know, the maid. And I don't mean that derogatory. It's just, I don't come in and mop and dust and all of that stuff. But I, I straighten up her room. If she goes to take a shower, I can wash her linen, put fresh linen on the bed. Um, I can um, organize, you know, her space and the baby space so that everything that she needs is right there. I can prepare light meals, you know, using the food that she has in her home. Or I can, um, like I would do with my moms at church, I could, you know, go get you a salad or bring you something in from um, a restaurant. But what I'm trying to do is to keep her uh, relaxed and keep her only focused on her, her baby. And honestly, I just don't believe for our community, 
um, that it's well known. And so I think too, when I first started that I was promoting something and talking about something that people didn't know what I was talking about. And, um, but I'm, I'm thankful for the journey because I'm, I'm learning myself either, even how to say it or um, um, how to get it across to them that, um, no, that, that's not what I do. This is what I do. But now they're asking questions like, you know, they're, they're starting to inquire, they're starting to um, just be a little bit more curious about it. And I don't want people to think that. So I feel like we're making doula, the word doula, be like another secret society. And if you can't afford it, then um, you're not going to, you know, do well when you go to the hospital. You know, you're going to be lacking because you can't afford a doula. Long term, you know, from now, I would love to be able to provide services to families that really, for real, cannot afford to hire one. Um, and maybe having, you know, monies available so that they can um, have a doula. I don't have that now, but um, but I, I, we have to, this is something that we've always done in our community. In our community, in our, in our black and brown communities, we have always stepped up to the plate and taking care of a mom that had a baby. Now, we may not be doing it now. I'm 57. I have to think about it. I'm 57. And I know that when, when my mom had children and then when, you know, when, when, when she was having children and then even before them, when they would have children, the whole, like, they would just rally around that mom and take care of that mom and take care of that baby. That was that that was doula support back then. And but we've gotten away from that. We've gotten away from um, being close to being close to people or open enough to allow people to come in. You know, we we move in neighborhoods that people don't live directly next to you. They live four houses down from you. You know, you, we have all of this land. We just we don't we don't have an environment where we are welcoming people to come in to help us. And, um, but we have to get away from that because we're dying. That's the, that's the bottom line. And, and the other thing, um, Catherine and Jessica, when I started this journey, it, it did not dawn on me at all um, that I'm part of a statistic. So my mom, when my mom had me, she died two weeks after my birth, after my birth. And I, I didn't, I didn't even think about like, I was a maternal, like I'm a maternal mortality statistics. I'm the result of a, of a mom dying and leaving eight kids. She left eight of us. And so, um, and I was the baby, my oldest sister, I think she was grown like I think she was like in her early 20s and then she had a child but we we were we were like disconnected now and we're still disconnected I mean we we all know each other we all have some type of a relationship with each other but we are not the sisters and brothers that we would have been if my mom was alive and so it just it didn't dawn on me that I am like it's coming full circle like he's like God is placing me in a position that this won't happen. This ain't gonna happen again. You know what I'm saying? This won't happen again. Mm -hmm. Gosh, thank you so much for mm -hmm. sharing this hat. Cause mm -hmm. I would not have, you know, you can't look at people and know their story, right? And know what they've been through, but you mm -hmm. can speak with someone and learn what their purpose is. And you mm -hmm. are definitely just <laughs> your whole, you telling us your whole like background, you know, even with nursing and now like your childhood, like mm -hmm. it, like you said, it, it's all a full circle moment. And that's so beautiful and so powerful. Like, you know, mm -hmm. we need those like testimonies to like fuel what it yep. is, you know, God wants us to do in mm -hmm. our lives. And that's just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you for yeah. all <laughs>
<laughs> oh, yeah. thank you. But it's, I, I, like I said, I never, like, I didn't think about it. And, you know, and probably, honestly, if I had a thought about this two years ago, I probably would have felt unworthy or, no, you can't say that because you didn't know her or, um, you know, it's just a whole bunch of other stuff that's associated with not growing up with the with the person that bore you. Mm-hmm. But let's not get it twisted. The lady that raised me, you she didn't play about me. And every <laughs> and anybody who's listening who knew my mom, like she didn't play about me. Mm-hmm. But but to think about um, to think about the things that you go through as a child, as a child, you lost your mom. So you could be, let's say you're seven and your mom dies from a maternal uh, incident. Now that child is displaced. It's not to say that whoever gets her is not going to do a good job. It's not to say that at all. It's just, she knows that that's not her mom. Mm-hmm. And so you, there are, there are some, there are some wounds. There are some things that happen internally. You just can't fix when you, when a person lose their mom, there are just some things that you just can't fix. And even in our ripe old age, you know, I have um, a sister that's um, in her early seventies. See, She don't look like it, but I think she's in her early seventies. <laughs> and then um and then my uh, oldest sister, who's in her in her mid 70s, like we still all of us still have the an issue. And when we talk about it, um, we we always end up going back to I wonder what would have if, you know, um, but but to to get to a positive side. I, my desire is to. I don't, I'm not just focused just on that maternity mom. I'm not just focused on the mama. I'm focused on the person who's supporting that mom. I'm focused on a person who knows somebody who's pregnant or somebody who knows somebody who's supporting somebody. It doesn't, it, I, that, so that's the whole community. That's the village. That's, that's everybody. It's, I'm not just focused on one um one set of people. I'm set, I'm focused on the entire village because we can all do our part to keep that mom safe. All of us can. And that's true, Ms. Pat, because what you do as a lactation consultant, as a postpartum doula, it's a family thing. Like mm-hmm. benefit that the that you bring that your services provide you know you helping helping a mom with you know helping the baby latch and get the nutrition they need that's a family thing because we know mm-hmm. breastfeeding saves the mom and the baby right mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. it's a postpartum doula you coming into the home and providing what what the mom needs to be able to serve her family right you're helping the whole family unit because yes. what you said is so important like mm-hmm. this motherhood journey the delivery of a child it's a it does not just affect the mom and the baby it's like everyone surrounding them and so Mm -hmm. everybody plays a part and needs some type of support and you do that right right yes and then and then the thing about it is that you're preventing what's preventable that's what matters it's like if the Mm -hmm. cdc is saying 60 percent of these deaths are are preventable Mm -hmm. then and you're saying i don't have to be the answer right? The community is the answer. Their community is the answer. Their church that comes over and helps clean up and cook and hold the baby and everything. That is a solution that everybody can latch onto and say, Mm -hmm. we can get on board with fighting this crisis. Why are we, why are we waiting for laws to be passed for doulas to be on board up to the first year or whatever the what has been passed is put in place, right? <laughs> the fixes, uh-huh. <laughs> the fixes that have to come from government officials and go through this long process. 
when the answer is in our culture, the answer is in our heritage, the code, the answer is in what we naturally do, but we're sitting here letting COVID not let family come in and see our children. Well, they're not coming in to see our children and now they're not coming and helping us either. So then we have moms who three weeks out from having their baby, we're looking at their data like, oh my gosh, they're back to being stressed like they were before they had the baby. We have to now intervene. And then all it really is sometimes like this most recent time was a husband had gone back to work. And so now the husband went back to work, the sister had to go back home. Now the mom is having to take the baby to the daycare, to the babysitter and to, um, and even to get a babysitter, we had to tell her, you know how you said, you know, um, letting her focus on the baby. I was like, you know, Mm -hmm. you have a whole babysitter that you used to drop your (laughs) oldest one off. Go drop them off. And now you can just focus on the baby. And then, you know, it's not magic. It is, they need to be told that it's okay to mm-hmm. not have both of your children at home. Because I know I was like that. I didn't want, yeah. I was like, what? Now they're both mm-hmm. home. Now I get to have Victor <laughs> getting to know Crystal Lily to the, I mean, uh-huh. to the degree. So he's out of school now and he's home with me and I'm homeschooling him and taking mm-hmm. care of her and making sure they're bonding and feeling this sense of fulfillment. And my body is sitting here like, you're run down. He can go <laughs> and spend some time with grandma. He can go <laughs> spend some time with cousins. It's okay. Yeah. You it's know, okay. And someone has to yeah. tell us that it's mm-hmm. okay. And so mm-hmm. for her, it was just that. And then her husband was starting school up. So now she's like, no, let me take care of the babies while you're here. So you can completely, you know, you can study and do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. And then that cut into her sleep time because he studies at yes. night because he works during the day. And so mm-hmm. her just going to him and saying, look, this is what's going on with my body. Can you just take, he was like, oh, I was going to take it. I was going to do that anyway. So thank you for mm-hmm. trying, you know, mm-hmm. but I was, I was mm-hmm. prepared to handle that. So now he takes care of bath time. She gets to go to bed early. Someone else drops the baby off at the daycare. She's able to rest. And within a day, her data was back to how it was before. And it's just a matter of someone saying, here are some suggestions of what you could do so -hmm. that you can have as little stress as possible while you heal. And you just, you do that for people. Yeah. And I I think I come in too with no judgment. So, Mm -hmm. So everybody has a past. And so, you know, we can use you two as an example. Jessica knows Catherine. Jessica knows Catherine likes to hang out at night. I'm just using this as an example. But I come in with no judge. Say that again. Don't don't put our business out there. Oh, don't put your business out there. (laughs) Go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. But what I'm saying is, you would be, if I'm saying, you know, you can't you get Catherine, you know, can you just take her lunch every day? Mm-mm, Cause she had no business hanging out last night. She needs, uh-uh, she needs to figure it out. But I come in, I'm not looking at your past. I'm not looking at, you know, the fact that y'all don't get along. I'm not, I'm just coming in. You know what? You need, your dishes need to be washed. Um, you need a nap. I'll just take care of the baby. I'm coming in with no judgment, but I think what happens is because we know that person. Mm-hmm. They have gotten on the last nerve, or this is the fifth baby, or this is like a lot of other drama things have happened, and people are like, Mm-mm, she did it. She's going to have to figure that out. Mm-hmm. We have to get away from that because we can either go help her and, um, and keep everybody alive and safe, or we can be planning a funeral. And we can be figuring mm-hmm. out who's going to watch these children for her now that she's gone. And I'm not asking for you to do wow. it for a year. I'm just saying, can you give her a week? That's yeah. it. I Now me, as a doula, I would love to, I would be in the home for as long as you want me to be in the home. But all I'm saying is, can you just start? Can you just give them, can you give them a week? That's it. Can you give them a week? Then when the week comes, can I can I would say, could you give them another week? <laughs> you know, but, but, but I feel like if we gave them a week and we're, and we're really watching them, yes. I feel like in my heart, you'll say, I can do such and such next week. You know, I, I really feel like you'll start to see where it's helping. You know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm working with the mom and, um, um, I'm there for one reason, but I see something else going on. And I'm saying, let me help you. Let me help you. I, I know I'm, 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 I know I, I am okay, but not yet. 
you know, not yet. And so I have to learn in this role, you know, when I was working on base or when I was working at the health department and I was under an entity. So I could say things and do things and the entity would back me up, <laughs> but I can't, I can't just say and do things like that now because I'm doing, I'm, I'm in a business for myself. And if I say something and you, and you take me at my word and something happens, and that's not what you have me in your home for, then I'm hell liable. And I feel, I truly believe like if I had jumped out, you know, last year or the year before, doing this, I would have just been doing it and not giving thought to all of the things that, you know, God is revealing to me and showing to me in the business world. I know this is what you want to do, but you have to, you really have to learn how to um, set boundaries um, around yourself because you can be held liable. But my goal is to, is to really start teaching, teaching us as a community Let's just do what we need to do to keep this mom safe. And, you know, maternal mortality is measured up to a year. You know, we say 42 days after the baby, um, after the baby has been born, that that's considered, um, you know, that period that we really need to watch a mom, those, those 42 days. But if a, if a mom dies within a year, of delivering a baby, when they do that little, um, that little, it's a little form that, that you have to fill out. There's a question on there that says, did she have a baby? And so, you know, in the last year, and if, and if she, they check, yes, that's a maternal mortality, right. you know? So was that, you know, with the exception of it being like a car accident or something like that, but, you know, did, you know, did she receive mental health counseling? If, if it was a suicide, let's say she committed suicide at nine months. I'm just using that as an example. Or, or um, if she died from a stroke, did she have, did she um, develop high blood pressure during the pregnancy? Or did she develop high blood pressure after the pregnancy and just didn't know it because she was on Medicaid and she didn't have any insurance and she didn't go back to she didn't go back to the doctor. I mean, it's so many things that we can we can um, be looking out for after that baby is born. Um, and they these are things that they don't have to die from. Amen. They don't have to die from that. I'm sorry. Oh no, we're happy you it's said a lot. It it's it just it's a said. lot. It, they just they don't have you don't have to die from from that. You know, um, it's just a matter of of, and, and one of my things is, you know, like when you call the doctor, make first thing that come out your mouth is I just had a baby six months ago and blah, 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 blah. Make sure you say that. Make sure you say, I just had a baby seven months ago and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Make sure that that comes out of your mouth and then be um, consistent. You know, when you go to the doctor's office, we don't have to, um, you don't have to be rude or anything. Just be yourself, like, but be it consistently. If you are rude, be rude all the time. You know what I'm saying? And I know that sounds bad, but if you're rude all the time, when you go in and you ain't saying nothing that day, guess what the receptionist going to say? She ain't acting like herself. What's wrong with her? Wow. You know what I'm saying? But if you go in, um, you you know, you're speaking to everybody, you're your cheerful self, and another day you go in and you're just not saying something, that, that, that front door people, Miss Prime ain't acting like herself today. She's usually in here telling everybody off or she's usually in here. She usually have an attitude. She was kind of sweet today. Is something wrong? Something going on? We can do some things ourselves. We don't have to wait on everybody else to, to do it for us. You know, I just feel like that's something that we can do when we go to the dark side. Be on time. You know, be on time. Be yourself. Um, you know, Try to meet one person in the office. Just let somebody make sure one person in the office knows you by name for real, for real. Mm -hmm. And then when you're not feeling yourself, those are the people that are going to go to bat for you. I'm not saying that the doctor's office doesn't go to bat for people. Not saying that at all. But I am saying is we teach people how to treat us. And if we go in and we are engaged and, um, um, you know, taking some time to get, 
you don't have to know them really by heart, but smiling and, and just being yourself, when you're not yourself one day, somebody's going to pick that up. And they may say, she she was acting kind of weird today. That's She doesn't usually act like that. And that sometimes can be just enough to turn that nurse practitioner's ear up, turn that doctor's ear up and say, well, let me just look a little closer. That, I just encourage us to do that. And that will, that can save a life. Um, it can save a life. It really that's, can. That's really good advice. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm thinking as a provider now, and you know, sometimes you have busy days and especially in like physician offices, they, there is multiple people in and out and in and out and in and out. And it can kind of be robotic and like clockwork and things like that. But there are like certain patients, you know, that stick out to you or like certain attitudes and behaviors and things, um, things like that. So, and especially if the people who try to engage mm-hmm. and, you know, with you, like those patients, you remember them more and you, and you definitely notice when mm-hmm. they are off, when people, mm-hmm. you know, show their personalities as a patient, when they come to, um, to like, provider offices because we should treat patients as people anyway but it should so your personality right yeah it does it does and not just Mm -hmm. the reason that you're in Mm -hmm. and you're right thank you for saying that because you know things are robotic you know you're just going because you got 10 minutes to be in that room like you can't spend you can't spend all day in that room but I I I just I I feel like once you and if you don't get that attention with the with the provider, you may have gotten it with the nurse that that checked you in or with the receptionist at the at the front desk that checked you in. Um, and then even, you know, when you're home and you call back and you're talking to that receptionist, hey, this is this is Pat Prime. Oh, yeah, I remember you, Mrs. Prime. You get you get a little bit more. You get further when you do that versus you know, just going in and you're not trying to get to know anybody. And you know what I'm saying? I just think you get a little bit further. And that's just honesty. I don't think it should mm-hmm. have to be that way. It but shouldn't, but it is. That's, that's the reality. That's mm-hmm. a really good tip for mom. Oh my goodness, yes. Mm-hmm. That's the reality. Do you have any more tips for moms? Like, <laughs> can we talk about, um, because I think a lot of people, because you answered a lot about doulas and support and Mm -hmm. I think our listeners have gotten what they need to know about that so Mm -hmm. let's shift gears towards like the lactation consultant you and what you do like can you give me like a a day like let's say I booked you for a lactation um, consultant visit Mm -hmm. I am first time mom I'm pregnant I booked the appointment while I'm pregnant I know that's Mm -hmm. what you love so (laughs) Do like what happens? How do you help me? So, so you're pregnant? Or are you deliberate? You pregnant? I'm pregnant, but I'm booking. Okay. I'm going to breastfeed when my baby okay. comes. Because so, I know that you recommend. Okay, so my so my um our first visits would be me really getting to know you. Um, so it's what are your thoughts about breastfeeding? Um, why do you want to breastfeed? Who are, who are your support people? Um, if you choose to, to breastfeed, how much do you want me to push you? Because breastfeeding is hard. And I think that it's a misconception that people believe when that baby is born, they go to your chest, they're going to latch and it's going to be, oh, and it ain't, not all the time. And so I, I, I have even asked people in the past, so how much do you want me to push you? Because it is a, it, it, there is a level of encouragement and boosting and you can do this and come on, we can, we can push through this so much to the, till it comes so much so that it starts to look like I'm pressuring you to do it. Mm-hmm. And so on our first visit, if you are expecting, I'm going to, I'm asking you, how much do you want me to push you or to support you in that? Because you may get to a place in breastfeeding that you don't want to do it anymore. And you need to know from me, 
on the front end, I am here to support whatever decision that you make. I'm not here to make you breastfeed. Mm-hmm. We're starting off saying that you want to breastfeed. We're going to get a class. I'm going to do a, a PowerPoint presentation with you. And we're going to um, learn about breastfeeding. But when the baby gets here, I'm not going to keep talking to you about breastfeeding. I don't want to keep talking to you about breastfeeding. Three weeks down the line, when on day four, you stop breastfeeding. But I'm still talking to you about breastfeeding, but you're scared to tell me that you're not breastfeeding anymore. Mm. I don't need you to be scared to tell me that you're not breastfeeding anymore. Mm. I need you to say, Miss Pat, I really did appreciate those classes. I really do appreciate your support, but that was not for me. And then we can switch gears and now and start teaching you, and I can start teaching you how to properly fix those bottles and how you can make bottle feeding be just as engaging um, as breastfeeding is. And, you know, um, I'm thinking about, you know, this young lady, um, she went from breastfeeding to bottle feeding within like a day of being home. And, um, and then, okay, I, she may have started, she may have started some formula in the hospital. So she came home on a Saturday. So that was Saturday, Sunday. Then Monday, probably Tuesday, they had an OB, a, a, a pediatric appointment, a, a well child appointment. Then the doctor changed the milk. So now she's showing me some powder formula. She first had ready to feed in the little bitty bottles. And so that's sterile. So you just, you know, you just pop it open, put the top on it, put the little nipple on it, and they can feed from it. It's sterile. But the but the powder ain't sterile. So when I so when she showed me the powder, I now I wasn't hired as a doula, but it just, it just came out of my mouth because it's just in me. You know what I do is just in me. It's just a part of me. But as soon as she showed it to me, I said, now be mindful. You do have to make sure that your water is hot when you're using that powder formula. I'm not saying feed the baby the hot milk. I'm saying when you're mixing it, it has to be hot. So you may want to make, you know, a larger container of it using the hot water and then pour it in the bottles. And so she kind of had this little puzzled look on her face. And um, two more days went by and now it's like, I think my baby constipated. And I'm like, it's not constipated because you just changed the formula. And so form, your, the gut was doing something one day. Now the gut's got to adjust and do it another way. It's not, he's not constipated. It's just, you're, he's trying to figure out how to digest this stuff that you've given him. I didn't know in my head that she did not follow the advice of making sure that that water was hot. So she got a, a um, one of those um, things that you can put the powder in the top and then you tell it you want two ounces and then it makes the, and so, so now the water is hot because when it mixes it, it mixes it hot. And anyway, the baby had a stool. What I'm saying about this particular incident is I'm not saying that it would, I'm not saying that it would have changed the baby having a stool, not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is the, the milk didn't get mixed properly initially. And that's something that I feel like it needs to be taught because we think we can take a bottle of water and we can take our powder. We can, you know, we can go shopping. And as long as we've got a bottle of water, you know, in our bag and we pour the two ounces in the bottle and we put the powder on top and we shake it up and we give it to our baby, we think that we just gave them some clean milk and we didn't. That's not sterile. That's dirty milk. And, and so, you know, we can upset their stomachs. We, they, they throw up, they, they have diarrhea. We're trying to figure out where, 
it's coming from. And before you know it, people are switching formulas again. What you switching the formula for? Now the gut's got to figure it out again. How do I digest this? We, you, we, it's just little things. It's not, it's not, it's, it's not big. It's just little stuff, just little things. But again, we got to get in. They got to let us in. They've got to be open to the information. And then they have to decide that I'm going to do what you said. We, I can't make them. Yeah. And that's what I was, that's what I would say to you. I can't make you do it. I want, I, I need to know how much support do you want from me? And then when I give it to you, even if you decide you're not going to continue, I want you to feel comfortable enough to say, we ain't doing that no more so that we can move on to the next thing. And move safely. Like and I think Jessica, I hear you just all the time say it's those little day-to-day decisions that can either make or break the health of the pregnancy, the outcome of the delivery, the recovery period. And it's the mm-hmm. same thing, Miss Pat, that that it's it's the little things, but you have the knowledge and expertise. Mm-hmm. And if they're not going to listen, that's okay. Let's come up with the next best plan. That is all of the advice that you've given is if, if women hear it and they adhere to it they will have safer pregnancy journeys and deliveries and recoveries. And it's just the role that you're playing. Mm -hmm. And I think about my mom and the role that she plays in my life is more than a doula and a lactation consultant. And I don't know if you realize that yet, but God is using you to change mindsets and villages and by default, you will change generations of women and their families. Because if we go in and even take seriously 5% of what you said today, we will be better off as people, as a community. And in this whole crisis would be completely averted, Ms. Pat, because people will go in and just be themselves, give the information that needs to be given. And then as a community, if our women are being ignored, we come together and make sure that they are heard. So I, I don't know. I'm so grateful. We are so grateful for you. <laughs> Thank you. I don't have none. You're welcome. Miss <laughs> Pat, can you tell people um, where they can find you, like where your website is and where you're located? Oh, so my website is um, www.p babytimec.com and I'm located in central Georgia. So where I reside like doesn't matter because I, I, I cover central Georgia area. So, you know, Macon, Warner Robins, Bonaire, Perry, um, just, just in the central Georgia area, but I'm willing to, um, to travel, you know, like probably not past downtown Atlanta, (laughs) (laughs) maybe the front end of Atlanta. And then, you know, even like towards like um, the Valdosta area, maybe Tifton or Cordell, like that area. Um, But virtual um, is an option we could do virtual visits either with lactation or with postpartum recovery. There's still some things that we can um, um, discuss virtually as it relates to postpartum care. And, 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 and really it's just a matter of taking some time. It's just like stepping away. And that's what that virtual call would be. It's you're stepping away from all of the stressors that you're having to deal with. I'm doing some assessment um, with the virtual call, but it's really taking some time to step away. So that's kind of like where I am. I think that's what you asked me. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I asked you, Miss Pat. Thank you so much for sharing <laughs> and sharing your story and how it just mm-hmm. ties into what you do as a provider. Um, we are just so blessed to have you doing what you mm-hmm. do and helping so Thank many. You.
Yes, we are. We love you. We love you so much. And we're so happy to have you in our lives. When you said, where are you? I was like, in our lives? That's what it is. Yeah, you know, you guys have been like, oh my gosh. I don't, there are really no words. Um, and the way that Catherine and I met, I, I, I honestly believe that I was tapping onto the girl who was telling me to go to the site. I thought I was tapping into her site. So when I saw save, uh, say, it was um, something about babies, saving a life so we can thrive or something to that effect. The mm-hmm. first thing I said in my head was, why didn't she tell me she was doing this? And then I <laughs> and then I kept scrolling and I saw the two beautiful faces and I was like, oh, I don't know them. Oh. And um and and I just reached out with an email, but we've been like we just hit it off as soon as I met you. And I, I cannot be any more uh thankful. I think you guys came into my life at the right time and everything has been timely. I kid you not. I can't mm-hmm. even. I can't even go into all of the stuff that's just been so timely and I'm, and I'm really appreciated, appreciative of this. And I cannot wait to see what we all are going to do as it relates to saving moms and babies. Thank you. Ms. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the operation miss podcast. It is our hope that you leave this conversation showered with love and empowered to live. If you are interested in being a part of Operation Mist, please head to operationmist.org to learn more about who we are, what we do, and how we can serve you.